Welcome to the Daddyhood Rocks podcast with John Wolford and Brandon Miller. We are here to encourage you, empower you, and strengthen you so you can engage, level up, and have fun being a dad. We are going to have guests, deep conversations, hilarious stories, and insights that will give you the strength you need so you can be the dad you gotta be. And now, here are your hosts, John Wolford and Brandon Miller. Welcome to another episode of the Daddyhood Rocks podcast. This is Brandon Miller with John Wolfie Wolford. We are so happy to be here with you guys and whoever you are. Super happy. Uh, we what a privilege and an honor, John, that we get to uh, as often as we're able to put out episodes to encourage dads everywhere to engage to level up and to have fun being dads. And uh, it's something we're passionate about. John, doing this podcast, what does it mean to you? Man, I, I think we've talked about it before. It's it's easy to say, oh, we do this for fun um, or we do this to help people or which it is fun. But, uh, um, you know, we do this to help ourselves too. Like, oh, and yeah. we're, we're going to get into it, but... Um, man, this podcast is therapy to the nth degree for, for myself. And I know you as well. And so, yes, we get, we get the opportunity to help other dads be better dads and um, help other dads see the other side of, of daddyhood where, where you can go from where you are. Um, And that is meaningful. But just being able to do this thing, do it every Friday night with my best friend, this is this is just a blast. Oh, without a doubt. And now not to to turn, you know, super uber serious all of a sudden, but this I try not to ever be over dramatic and overstate things. But I think there's a daddyhood crisis in our country. I think that um, as far as uh, dads being out of the picture whether it's by choice or something that's, you know, just kind of uh, that role given to them, you know, they're, they're out of the picture, whatever it is, uh, single parent households are, are on the rise. I've seen this in my, my own uh, life with, with my family members, with friends that I know who have fought the battle as single parents. You've been a single dad and uh, it is hellish. It's hard, heart wrenching. Um, and it's just exhausting. Uh, and so uh, for for dads, whether you are co-parenting, whether you are married, um, we there's a crisis because I think your children need you. And I wise. think some of that is on us with our platform. You know, yes. I we we are you're right. We're able to say engage, level up and have fun being a dad. Some people don't know what that means because they never had that. Exactly. And and for that, I want to say I'm sorry. I could not imagine growing up without my dad. Um, My dad is my hero. Um, I cannot imagine growing up with my, without my hero. And so I'm sorry that you've been through that, but I want you to know that we're here for you and we care about you and we love you. And we want to constantly encourage you um, to be the dad that we know you can be. Yeah. And then a whole nother aspect of the story is, is the mental health of men um, as a an outpatient mental health therapist, um, whether it's talking to to teens, to kids, 
or to dads. I, I see both sides of that where so many kids are, are told to, uh, boys are told, hey, just suck it up, man up. You know, just don't, you know, no, you know, boys don't cry, things like that. And all these really harmful, toxic masculinity type, you know, uh, messages. And, and so that, that creates such, such uh, blockages in, in, you know, mental health. And then as far as those dads who, who, uh, you know, who have grown up with that message themselves, you know, and then they, they feel these big feelings, but then, you know, what in the heck do I do with this stuff? Do I just stuff it down? Do I, uh, you know, do I explode? Do I, you know, just, you know, drink as much as I can to take the edge off? So I think it's really important that we normalize the conversation for men's mental health, everyone's mental health. Absolutely. But I think women have a, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think women have a better time of being able to put a label on their emotions and being able to find uh, support networks for each other. I think men in general, they, they can't put a label on what they're feeling and by taboo, by cultural pressures, we don't talk about it. And so then we, we kind of waste away. So this is a conversation we need to have. What do you think about that, man? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's something to be said about the wiring of men and women. There is something to be said about that, but I want to set that aside for a while because there is also this, um, this community social aspect of things that we don't talk about. And I think even the courts don't want to get into men's mental health. I, Mm. it's so often that men struggle because they're not seeing their children or because their marriage fails or something of that sort. And the court almost just says, let's make it worse by giving them less time with their children and, you know, less probability of their marriage recovering by doing this um, because they're unsafe. The fact is, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're the mental health professional, but I think a large number of those men would do well to have that time with their family, at least what family is there. Um, And I think that's more healing than ripping the family away and saying, you need help, but good luck trying to find it without this, this, and this. I mean, you know, divorce just absolutely Mm. wrecks a man's um, social network, uh, if you will. And sometimes they lose insurance. And so that help that they need in order to even see their kids isn't there because they don't have that insurance anymore. And so there's just so much that goes into this mental health health thing, quote unquote, um, that I think a lot of people miss, but they don't mean to miss. It's just not there to be talked about Um, or it is there to be talked about. And we refuse to do it because it's the tough stuff. Yeah. And I think you also touched on something that's really difficult. And this is kind of paradoxical coming from a mental health professional. You know, I I like to work for a living and make money, but I think we need to find a way as a country, we need to find a way to make mental health treatment, counseling, therapy, any kind of psychological treatment. We need to make it affordable, accessible. Right now, it's really, uh, even with insurance, sometimes the co-pays are too high. Um, without insurance, my gosh, I mean, I've had, you know, a lot of people have had to 
um, e either completely walk away from therapy or go from, you know, every week to once a month, which is really more a maintenance sort of thing as opposed to, you know, some, you know, nitty gritty treatment. And so it does them a disservice. So the money part of mental health is really frustrating too. And not to belabor the fact of government, but, you know, we do have a government who's got a constitution that says they are required to keep the safety of the people. And I truly mm. think that mental health is the safety of the people. You know, we live in a world where people um, run to sign your cast when you break a bone, but they turn their backs on you when your mind is broken. Nice. Um, and so when that mind gets fractured, it's ignored. And then when it's a male's mind getting fractured, for forget about it. Weak. Uh, yeah, exactly. You're weak, you're pansy, you know, you hear it all. Yeah. And and so it's it's just one of those things that it's like I don't want to belabor politics into our, our podcast because that's not what we're here for. Right. But we do have a government who's got a job to do, and I feel like they've failed at that job. I completely agree. Now, I think this is a good opportunity to shift gears. So I think the whole point of this episode, John, is to, to not, not to put us on the stage or in the spotlight, but further putting men's mental health on, on, on stage, center stage, to, like with any other conversations we've had on this, this podcast, is to inspire and to motivate. And so we're going to share our stories, our mental health stories. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think there might be some tears on the way because uh, it's painful stuff. And that's okay. We're going to sit in that. We're going to rest in that. We're not going to run away from that. But we're going to use that as a springboard for the conversation, normalizing this conversation. Um, so with that said, John, I, I love you, bro. And I so appreciate our conversations. Um, we've talked about, you know, the sign of a good friend is you know, being able to a ridiculous conversation and then seconds later have a super serious conversation. And on both sides of uh, whether it's for me or from you over the last several years in our friendship, we've had those conversations where things were pretty damn dark and yeah. really hard to navigate where, you know, it, it just the, the gray or the dark clouds were looming and it was just, it was tough. And just the, you know, the, the desire to keep living was, hard to, hard to find. Um, so I, I, I think back to those conversations with you and I'm so thankful that we are both here and that mm -hmm. we are both able to uh, use this as a platform and that we're able to, to be dads, that we're able to be husbands. So yeah. with that said, John, I'm going to, uh, the floor is yours. Um, whether you want to go chronologically or topically, However you want to do it, you're the boss of this thing. John, what is your mental health story? Well, you know, I do want to touch on one thing. Um, you know, you talked about the last several years of our friendship, and I'm beyond thankful for it, but I can confidently say that through mid-2018, there were multiple conversations where I didn't know if I was going to make it through that conversation. And I have a feeling you were on the other side saying, I really hope he makes it through this conversation yes. um, because it does get dark. And 
there are going to be some things that I have to leave out tonight or we're not going to get through this podcast um, or I'll touch on it and we'll leave it at, at what I leave it at um, because there's, there's a lot and there's a lot to digest. There's a lot that I've been through um, a lot of very unique things that I, um, I have, um, but I'll start off. Uh, this will be both chronologically and topically, I think, because um, I think it's really important to know that I grew up in a Christian home in Northern Indiana. I think that right there um, is the foundation of who I am now. Um, but there's also some twists and turns um, along the way that kind of give me not so much um, a negative in my life, but definitely learning opportunities mm. and growing opportunities um, in my life. So I grew up, um, I've already said my dad's my best friend, uh, but growing up, he was an angry man. And uh, so I grew up with that. Um, I love my mother to death also very angry. Um, uh, at times, um, it would almost become now what people, now that the conversation has shifted, what people could consider um, abuse and manipulation. Um, I have a fantastic relationship with my mother now, and I would not trade that relationship for anything. I am beyond thankful for that. She was just at my house pl playing with my twins today. Um, and it's because she and my grandma just decided to randomly stop by. Um, well, so that's awesome. I, I, I want everybody to know that I don't want to belabor my Christianity either, because I think that there are many out there that are struggling that, that don't have that. Um, but I truly believe that God healed my relationship with my parents. And because of that, um, we're able to get along today. Um, I, Continued on through middle school, bullied consistently, endlessly, um, high school, same thing, um, to the point where I said, I am going to be the baddest dude here. And so I started listening to music that wasn't good, hanging out in groups that wasn't good, that weren't good. Um, I just, I, completely switched from wearing Jesus shirts every day to wearing South Pole and baggy pants. And here's this pasty white kid walking around mouthing off to anybody and everybody getting into fights, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that really, you know, it's funny now, but that really set me up for where I was going to go in the future. Um, as far as my dark roads went, um, because that didn't give me a healthy um, outlet or a healthy path to take in times of darkness. Mm. I didn't have, I didn't have those coping measures um, because I chose not to learn them. I chose to use this kind of dark, um, horrible group, quite frankly, that I was caught up in. They were my coping mechanism. And, and because of that, I didn't have coping mechanisms in the future and we'll get to the future. Um, I met my ex-wife in 2010 at a Notre Dame football game. We were both ushers there. Um, I still love Notre Dame. Don't worry. Um, but, uh, we were in a, if 
really a fantastic relationship from the get-go. Um, in 2013, early 2013, we found out that we conceived our first son completely unexpectedly. Um, not completely. I mean, obviously something has to happen, but... Uh, what, what is that, John? Uh, we'll talk about the birds and the bees another time. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> but uh, relatively unexpectedly, uh, we conceived our first son, and so um, he was to be born November 10th. And we got married October 26th, I think. Uh, glad I remember my anniversary now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Lucky anyways, you, we, yes. Yeah. But anyways, we got married sometime in October, right before he was born on November 4th. Um, and it was a good marriage. It really was. Um, in... 2015, I decided I was going to join the military. And so I joined the United States Army and I was I was a badge chaser from the get-go. I wanted to be in the airborne unit so that I could wear wings on my chest. So any job that I picked had to have airborne attached to it. I had the opportunity to pick, um, gosh, I could have been a cryptologic linguist. I mean, I, mm. I had good grades in school. I was intelligent. My ASVAB score, um, which for those of you that don't know, it's kind of your entrance test into the military. It, it was a 98, and I think a perfect 99 or 100. So I, I had any job I could be, and I chose to be an artilleryman that jumped out of planes for a living. And that's where things start to get dark really dark. Hmm. Um, I went through basic training. Um, I, my son has a liver condition and that's really why I went into the military was for the health insurance for him. And so throughout basic training, I was really worried about him and I was getting kind of mixed signals from my ex about his health and well-being. Um, in fact, so much so that I was able to, um, get extra calls home uh, because I was getting these mixed signals. At one point I thought my, my son had liver cancer. And um, so I, that happened throughout basic and towards the end of basic, we got our phones back and she said, I don't want you to be worried about anything, but there's rumors about me and some guy at work. And that's when things started to go awry. Um, First of all, let's talk about me for a second. I heard that and my mind went to the worst. Um, it's It happens in the military all the time. You know, guys go off to the military, girls find somebody else, blah, 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 blah. That's that. Um, so long story short, it finally, eventually came out um, that she and this guy did have a relationship. Mm. And so... Um, my sons, I missed that part. I had a second son in there. <laughs> uh, How'd that I happen? Had, I had Denver, and yeah, that that one was more expected. Uh, but anyways, so so this was kind of a the beginning of a long and um, just so tiresome and hurtful and. Gosh, there's so many there's so many words that I could use to describe it, but um, I I got to my unit in the 82nd Airborne Division and said they said good, 
you got all your stuff. We leave Monday. And so I was just gone. And in that process, um, my best friend who I made in the military passed away, um, and lost him. And, uh, in May of 16, I was in an empty house. I stood in an empty house. Um, my ex-wife had decided to, um, leave and swore up and down. She wasn't with this guy, uh, got pregnant by this guy. And then suddenly they're together. Um, and so that was emotional in and of itself. Um, and I went through the summer of 2016, really, really fighting hard for my marriage. Um, I wanted it to, to work out. I made vows. I'm going to keep these vows. But in that process, again, talking about me, I was so angry mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to handle that anger because I had never had the teaching to handle that anger. And the only teaching I had is this teaching of you meet this enemy head on. And so I've said it before, the army does really, really good at teaching you how to handle combat. It doesn't do so good at teaching you how to handle your relationships. Mm. And I think that's why we see such high divorce rates in the military um, is that they simply do not teach um, how to handle your relationships. And so I was, I would yell over the phone. I'd scream over the phone. I'd cuss over the phone. And at one point um, in the summer of 2016, shortly before you and I met, I believe um, I, uh, I put a gun in my mouth and I said, not only am I going to pull this trigger, I'm going to send this picture of the gun in my mouth to my wife to know what she's done to me. Mm. And first of all, gents, let's talk about that for a second. Horrible decision. Um, and a decision that would haunt me through my custody battle as well. Um, it's also manipulative and narcissistic to do anything of the sort. Even if you mean that you're going to kill yourself, um, sending a picture to a female that you've been in relationship with like that is horrible. Um, it is without a doubt manipulative and it should never be done. So if you're thinking about sending a picture like that, uh, don't do it. It's, there are better ways. Um, please seek, seek help, seek counseling, um, immediately yes. because you can be freed of that mindset, but it takes work. And I know that a lot for a lot of us, for me included, it came with not having those coping measures as a kid and that suck it up style of, of life as a kid, as a male child. Um, but I want to throw that out there that that's not normal. Yeah. And so um, anyway, as I get off on that rant, um, that really started things downhill for me. Um, I got psychiatric care though, finally in the military. And, um, I was able to deal with some things from my childhood, from stuff that had happened in the army, um, from my marriage, losing my boys that, that really did help. Um, and then, uh, August of 16, we 
were going to get quote unquote deployed to JRTC in Louisiana, um, which is a uh, the Joint Readiness Training Command. Um, basically, we were training for a deployment, and we were going to jump into Fort Polk, Louisiana, and um, we were going to conduct a like thirty some odd day exercise there. Um, that jump nearly took my life. Uh, I fell out of that plane doing just fine. A gentleman landed on my chute, um, wrapped it up, tied it off, and I hit the ground at approximately 53 miles an hour. And um, I fractured my spine and knees and largely all the injuries went ignored by the military. Um, in fact, one injury wasn't even found until I was doing my, um, my medical stuff for the VA, the VA found it on an MRI actually, and said, did you know that you had a fracture in this vertebrae? No, no, I did not. Uh, thank you for telling me. Um, so that happened. And then later in 2016, I meet this guy named Brandon Miller. I'm so sorry. It was rough. (laughs) What a crazy chance. I want to, I want to talk about this for a second because this is truly, and I mean this one of the biggest moments, biggest, brightest spots in my life. Um, One where I can definitely see that was a big turnaround for me. Like I was in a really dark spot that was a big turnaround for me. And I think we had commented on something that was the same on, on a Christian pipe smokers group. And we hit it off. I'd say pretty, pretty rapidly. Like we just became friends and um, that was kind of that. And um, it progressed to this brotherhood. And when I had nobody uh, and I truly mean nobody, I had, I had Brandon Miller. And so thank you, bro, for being there. I, I don't think it was, I don't think it was chance. I I definitely believe that it was, it was commissioned by somebody, someone greater than I, um, but man, you have been there every step of the way through thick, through thin. So thank you for what was it? October, 2016. I think it was sometime in the fall. Yeah, I think it was. Um, because I believe I was watching a Notre Dame game when it happened. <laughs> um, but, uh, I knew you needed you. some rescuing, so that's right. Yeah. Something like that, that season. Yes. I definitely needed rescuing. <laughs> um, but no, thank you, man. Um, because I truly, when I look back at all the turning points in my life, um, there is a turning point named Brandon Miller. And so I love you, man. This is where the tears might come. Hold on. I got this. Um, you do. But Who's going to cry first? <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that turning point named Brandon Miller is so bright. And um, I I love you, man. So yeah, I love thank you. Too, you. Bro. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's so interesting because, uh, you know, I, I, I never would have imagined myself being involved in a Christian pipe smokers group. And, uh, and yet, uh, yeah, you know, kind of, you know, going with Sherlock Holmes vibe and, and I uh, thought, you know, Hey, 
was better, a Christian pipe smokers group. You know, C.S. Yeah. Lewis, J.R. Tolkien, uh, they smoked pipes. You know, why not? And uh, and then lo and behold, there's John Wolford, and and yeah, we just I think our similar senses of humor, uh, and I think our our, our spiritual beliefs also uh, tied in there, and then just uh, I, I don't know, it just it seemed like. Um, it was kind of this perfect storm as far as just this opportunity to uh, start uh, making a connection just Absolutely. out of the blue. Absolutely. And uh, cherry almond pipe tobacco is still my favorite. Awesome. Uh, Very cool. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, the last part of my story can be shortened up quite a bit. Um, 2000. Um, 17, I got back from uh, leave. I was Christmas leave with my boys. And I came back and realized I didn't know when I was going to see my boys next. I'm a mess. There's something wrong. Um, I didn't know when I was going to see my brand new girlfriend next. Um, There's something wrong. I'm a mess. And I kept telling my unit, I need to get to my chaplain. I need to get to the chaplain. They kept saying, no, you don't need to go now. You don't need to go now. You don't need to go now. And one thing led to another. And there was a firearm in my trunk. Um, And I fully planned on on using it that day. But for some reason, texted a buddy from church, told him what was going on. And he called my unit and said, you have a soldier that needs to get to the chaplain. And... um, Mm. I was actually hospitalized for 15 days. Okay. And this 15-day hospitalization is what makes this podcast, I think, because wow. um, it turned around my life. But for this episode specifically, I want you to know it's it's not bad. You know, I think there's this stigma for... Uh, a stigma toward being hospitalized for mental health. But if I wouldn't have been hospitalized for mental health, we wouldn't be making a podcast. In fact, I wouldn't have my twins. I wouldn't have my wife. I wouldn't have my stepdaughters. I would be dead if it wasn't for that hospitalization. And so I want, if you're struggling tonight and you feel like you need that, please take that opportunity. Um, I truly mean that it is an opportunity and it's something that's going to make you better. Um, and so please take that opportunity. Uh, 2017 finished up pretty crazy. I got out of the military in, um, June. I went to school. I was going to be a pre-med student. Um, I did that for a couple years and then decided that nursing was my gig. Never thought it would be. I always swore I'd never be a nurse. Um, and now I'm less than a month away from graduating as a nurse. So, uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, things went crazy. The girlfriend that I spoke of prior, she and I broke up. I had another breakup in there as well. Um, and those both led me to my wife now, um, in 2000. Okay. I'm going to get the dates mixed up. So we're going to do this right. Uh, we met in February, or no, we met in November of 2018, November 6th of 2018. Um, we were in a relationship in February of 2019. We lived in a house together in April of t- 2019. Things moved fast. Um, 
And by the summer of 2019, surprise, you have twins coming. And so we had twins in February of 2020. Um, meanwhile, um, <clears throat> throughout all this process, she actually gave me money for a new lawyer and I was able to earn time with my boys, um, wow. which dads, I want you to know there is no earning time with your kids. Don't let the courts make you feel that way. You have a right to that time with those kids. Those kids need you in their life. And so don't let a court make you feel as though you have to earn it. Um, you, that is your right as a dad and that is their right as children to have you in their life. So do not ever let a court court make you feel like you need to earn visiting time. No, you have a right to parenting time and daddyhood time. Um, so I want to make that clear as well. Um, what else? I'm almost done. (laughs) Um, I, yeah, that's basically it. Um, I, I graduate soon from nursing school. Uh, I've got two amazing twin one-year-olds. Uh, I've got two amazing stepdaughters, Ella and Riley, that are five and ten. And I've got two boys that are five, almost six, and seven, almost eight. I mean, it's it's been a crazy journey. And a lot of stuff, like I said, had to be left out. But I hit all the big, main, important things and all the big, main um, mental health, uh, times in my life, because it's, it's really okay to not be okay. It is. It's not okay to stay there though. And so there are resources, um, out there and take advantage of those resources. And if it means going to the hospital, regardless of what your insurance is going to cover, I know it's hard to bite that bullet, but if, if that's, what's going to make you better, get yourself better. Um, you, you deserve the you that you can be. Um, and, and sometimes it means hospitalization. That's what it meant for me. Um, and honestly, I, I can, I'll speak for Brandon as well. If you need a friend, we're here. We're, we're daddyhood, we're daddyhood junkies. And if you need somebody, um, I'm, I'm definitely here for you. So absolutely just hit up the page for sure. Oh yeah, man. John, thank you for sharing what a, just a, a a deep story. I mean, there's a lot of heartache there. I mean, a lot of darkness. You, You weren't kidding. And, and yet there's a lot of hope too, you know, a lot of hope, a lot of healing. Um, does that mean that, uh, you are completely, uh, dark cloud free now? Heck no. But, uh, man, you've, uh, you've come a long ways, right? Yeah. I mean, I think even in just the going on, can't believe five years that we've known each other. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, I've grown quite a bit. And that's awesome. Man, and it's definitely a two-way street. You know, I think, uh, you know, there have been uh, pockets of time where I, I needed some, I needed desperately the encouragement of a friend. And, uh, yeah, when there are no friends to find, I found you. Uh, so it's definitely a God thing for sure. Yeah, um, for sure. Man, I it's really interesting thinking of my own mental health story. Um, a lot of similarity. I mean, there are some similarities and there are definitely some departures. But I, I too, grew up in a, a Christian home, um, loving parents, loving parents, strict, definitely strict and old school, uh, but loving. Um, 
we weren't as far as uh, uh, mental health wise goes. I uh, never talked about emotions, especially anger. You did not go there. Uh, mental health was just taboo. Uh, and so you, you kind of swept that under the rug. So I was definitely a, a kid who had a lot of blow up moments because I didn't know what to do with anger. Um, but I uh, grew up uh, going to church. I was like this goody two shoes kid. Um, you know, I had this picture of God who was impatiently, uh, you know, upstairs with his arms folded, tapping his foot, waiting for me to make one false move. And, uh, and so I had this, uh, uh, I felt like there's this pressure to be Mr. Perfect. And of course, you know, it's quite impossible. Um, and so, uh, that I think really led to a lot of dark moments down the road. I'm going to talk about my experience in 3d not with the blue and the red glasses, but in uh, death, divorce, and depression. Um, so for me, I'm the youngest of four. Um, definitely a mama's boy, even though there, there were some strained moments. And my mom was a very intense woman, uh, four foot ten, uh, but uh, exuded ten foot tall, um, as my dad would say. Um, so the freshman year of my uh, college experience, my mom died. She, it was uh, a couple days before my birthday, she had a massive stroke. And, uh, and so normally a stroke will affect one hemisphere of the brain or the other. It took out both hemispheres. And, uh, and so she died one hour before I turned 19 and my world crashed. And so at that time I had a girlfriend and, uh, and so we, uh, even looking back through those times, people didn't know, including her, didn't quite know how to handle someone who was going through grief. Because uh, grief is is hefty for the person experiencing it, and it's really hefty and confusing for the people around the person who's grieving. And and so uh, looking back, there were a lot of things that were said, probably unintentionally, that were very hurtful during my grief journey. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was that was tough. That rocked my world. And and uh, shortly on the the heels of that, I was so afraid of being alone. Uh, so in the midst of my grief. Uh, I, I proposed to my girlfriend. And so we got married uh, when I was, we were both 20. And so super young, a lot of baggage, a lot of uh, just uh, religiosity. Uh, and so we didn't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, real world uh, experience, not a lot of real world um, give each other grace sort of stuff. We were both very much the, uh, hey, we better do life by the book. And, you know, we better, you know, have our noses clean and do everything right. So there's it with my relationship or with my understanding of God, with my marriage, there was this pressure to somehow be perfect. And, you know, I struggled to live up to that very much. So, um, so, so death first, that was, that was really hard. And that, uh, that set me back quite a bit, got married uh, and we, we had been high school sweethearts. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we, I had, uh, we actually, we had the same kindergarten teacher, which was really wild. Uh, but then she moved away. And then, uh, so th uh, through the last three years of high school, uh, we were pen pals and then we ended up going to college together. Uh, it was, a, it was a great love story. It was very cool. Uh, and we, we, I think we both had uh, taken a lot of, uh, we had a lot of pride in that. It was just kind of a beautiful thing. Um, but we got together, uh, you know, experienced the loss of my mom. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, eventually got married and, uh, right off the bat, we, we had struggles just as far as, you know, uh, criticism and 
defensiveness, uh, as far as just uh, some just places where neither of us were quite perfect at all. So fast forwarding, uh, about 11 years uh, later, we ended up getting divorced. And now I want to say this, it takes two people to make a, a marriage work. And it takes two people to to bring about the downfall of a marriage. So I'm not throwing uh, my ex-wife under the bus. Uh, we, we I think neither of us really had any business getting married uh, in the first place. Uh, neither of us. And a mentor of mine even told me before she and I got married, he took me aside and said, "You you you shouldn't be marrying her, and uh, and you shouldn't be marrying, period." And I totally disregarded what he said. And of course, you know, 11 years later, things uh, didn't end up so well. And a lot of things had happened that were really painful for me. Um, and so uh, just as far as, uh, you know, there was a, a friend of mine who uh, became a really good friend of hers. And that was really difficult to see that, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to belabor that. But uh, basically, um, I was traveling for the holidays, trying to give us some space because things were really tense and I came home to an empty apartment. And, uh, and then from there, uh, we, uh, were separated for a handful of months and then we were divorced and during that time. So, so death and then divorce and then part of my depression, which actually spans that entire time. Um, you know, going back even to my, my young, you know, young childhood days, um, with, with some abuse, uh, some some sexual abuse that was really hard to uh, to even uh, bring to the forefront of my mind. But I think that painted the picture for me as far as my own mental health goes for my entire life. Um, so death, divorce, and then depression. Um, while we were, uh, my wife and I were kind of in that limbo state of, uh, you know, separated, waiting for our divorce. Um, I was where I had a job. I got to work from home. It was the best paying job I'd ever had got to work from home. Um, I became a hermit. Um, I didn't, I was so depressed. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to really reach out to anybody. And, uh, and so I, it was one of these times, cause I, I come from a long line of bootleg and hillbillies. And, and I try to say that as kind of a, a funny sort of thing, but also I think in the serious moments though, um, alcohol really, I think ruined my mom's dad's life. Uh, and I think it also ruined my dad's dad's life. Uh, and, and I think there were just historically on both sides of our family tree, a lot of alcohol problems. And I remember sitting, uh, you know, in, in my living room, this relatively empty, sparse apartment. And I thought, you know what, <laughs> this absolutely sucks. And, uh, and so I went to our kitchen cabinet and I, uh, I thought, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. So, so began drinking and drinking and, and drinking a lot. And, uh, I remember, so my oldest sister, um, she does everything like clockwork, um, everything. And, uh, she would call me every Wednesday and to ask me how I was doing. And, uh, I remember asking her, Hey, sis, next time you call me, would you please ask me if I've gotten rid of all the alcohol in my house? Um, I, I, that's something I need to do. And so she said, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so I, because I know, and I knew that she would be like clockwork and she would ask me that question. She would follow through. I knew that I, I didn't want to 
let her down. And I didn't want to say to her, you know what? No, this stuff is too helpful to me to numb the pain. So I kept it. So no, I, as soon as we ended that conversation, um, I uh, went to the kitchen. I, I dumped everything. So yeah, I, when I dumped out everything in, into the sink, I, I knew that that was, was a good start. Um, but I was still completely isolated. And, uh, so during that time, it was really interesting. And, and again, I think this was one of those God moments. Um, I think in a span of a week after, after my sister made that call, um, to confirm that I had dumped out everything. And that was a great conversation. Um, that, that the week following that it was, I think I counted eight people, eight people whom I had not been in touch with for years, randomly, randomly reached out to me. Hey, Brandon, I, I've been thinking about you for a while. How are you doing? Or, Hey, I have a question for you. You know, how's this going or how's that going? Or, you know what? I just, I have this overwhelming sense that you're not okay. Can we talk? And it, it blew me away that there are people who cared enough to reach out to me. And, and so I think that that helped quite a bit. And then I remember talking to um, uh, kind of another mentor at that point in time. And, and he also had a faith perspective and he said, you know what, Brandon, a year from now, you're going to be laughing about this, not because it's funny, but because you're going to look back and you're going to see how much you've healed uh, through this year. And I thought, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. So actually a year later, I was going back through my journals. I've been journaling since I was 20. And I looked back and, to the date. And then I was reflecting on, on how far I'd been, you know, uh, you know how, how deep I was and the depth of how much healing I had experienced. And of course I laughed. And uh, it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, sort of. But uh, nonetheless, the it was it was a painfully refreshing time. And so I, right after we got divorced, um, I kind of felt like a country song. Um, so I felt like, you know, if, if I had a dog, he would have died. If I had a pickup truck, it, it would have stopped working. But uh, we got divorced, lost my great paying job that same week. And uh, and so I had a, and then my apartment lease. Uh, was up uh, a couple weeks later. So I made this very quick decision. Where am I going to go? And so I ended up moving from middle of nowhere, Illinois, to Colorado Springs, where I had some very dear friends, plus my brother and his family. And I, I knew I needed a safety net. I knew I needed to break away from from uh, from isolation. So got to Colorado Springs uh, I was so happy that, to get back to Colorado because at that point in time, I finally had a Jeep. I was able to use it a little bit in the mountains. It's good stuff. And uh, so, yeah, um, that four years in Colorado Springs, that was uh, life-changing. It was painfully refreshing. Um, so it was really cool. I, be <laughs> I began working probably the hardest job I'd ever, ever had as a debt collector for Ford Motor Credit. Called every name hey. in the book plus some new ones made men and women cry. Um, it was not easy yet. Um, I was able to learn, you know, the, the art of being, you know, firm yet kind, which impacts my, my parenting even now. But then also a coworker of mine, uh, this dude named Kevin. And uh, he, like a month after I began working, he got married. And so he, he and his wife were a little bit younger than me. And, but we hit it off. And so, 
uh, we and uh, two other people and maybe three other people, we actually began this sort of thing. I wouldn't call it a Bible study, but we would we would get together at this the most amazing coffee shop in uh, Southern Colorado Springs called Agia Sophia and great coffee and uh, great food. But we would meet every week and we talk about life. We would talk about philosophy, spiritual things about the Bible. Um, we talk about mental health. And that was the first time. Remember, prior to that point, all of that was taboo. I, I never went there until those four years talking about what it meant to be depressed, being able to put a label to it and being able to say, you know what? I'm really dealing with depression. It really sucks. And, and so that was the first time where I felt free and confident to, to seek out uh, a mental, mental health professional. Uh, and so got therapy and actually got onto an antidepressant. And that one-two punch was a lifesaver for me. It was phenomenal uh, as far as helping my brain work the way it was meant to work, uh, as far as uh, just being able to handle things. And, and the therapy helped, not to be biased as a therapist, but therapy helps you to sort through stuff, gives you that second set of eyes. And, uh, and so that was, that was huge. So that, yeah, that, that group of friends there in Colorado Springs, uh, the most life-giving experience I've ever had in terms of a group of friends. And then uh, came to a point about four years later where I thought, you know what? So I, I, I started my own editing and writing voiceover, voiceover business. And I, I thought, you know what? I really hate working at Ford Motor Credit. I don't want to work here anymore. Um, I have the opportunity to begin my own business. So I did. And with that, the realization was I can live anywhere and do my work. So I chose to, oddly enough, and I, I'm asked about a lot now, but I moved back to middle of nowhere, Illinois. And uh, because I had some some friends there that uh, I had connected with. So it was, it was really odd trading in mountains for, for cornfields again. But uh, that was great. And then uh, a short while later, about a year later, I, I remember, so I... I I, I was kind of wanting to get back into dating. And, uh, and so I, by the advice of some people, I put together a, a, not a rubric, but a preference chart, a non-negotiables list and a negotiables list. And I remember telling my, my dear friend there in, in Illinois, uh, in, in uh, Ottawa, Illinois, I said, you know what, if I don't ever find someone who matches these things, I'm okay being single the rest of my life. I'm not going to settle, not going to compromise. And, and so uh, that was kind of my mindset and that was great. Independent of that in, you know, probably about two hours north of where I was living, uh, my now wife, Kara, uh, she had gone through a divorce and she had put to, and she'd gone through a very, you know, really amazing healing ex uh, experience as well. She made a rubric. So I even had like, heck knows, got to haves, you know, would like to haves. And so it was very detailed and her best friend said, no way, no way are you going to find someone who matches this. And, uh, and so, uh, lo and behold, and she was fine. You know, Hey, if I don't meet anyone, that's fine. So where I was living in Ottawa, Illinois, there was nobody, nobody that I was comfortable dating. Um, and so reluctantly I had heard a commercial for a, uh, a dating website. So I thought, you know what, I'll give it a shot and, uh, got onto plenty of fish.com. And, uh, and so I tried it for a week and there were some very scary women on there, uh, <laughs> just with how forward they were and the things they did. 
uh, you know, the things they, they, you know, claim they, they did. It's like, you know what, this is really kind of frightening. So I was about to delete my profile. Then all of a sudden I saw, Ooh, this is different. And just, so I, I saw Kara's profile. And so I ended up writing a whole novel to her, this message, just putting everything on the table. Hey, this is who I am. Uh, this is what I've gone through, gone to, through a divorce, deal with depression, blah, blah, blah. And she responded in kind with another novel. And then uh, we hit it off. And then fast forward to now. We've been married. Now uh, we just hit our nine-year mark of being married. And we have two amazing boys, uh, eight and six. And uh, best thing that's ever happened to me. And we it's awesome being in a spot where we can talk freely about mental health and you know, being able to be advocates for those who are suffering with mental health illness, uh, mental illness, um, being able to uh, just to encourage each other and along that journey. So when we met, I mean, so I was already uh, married with Kara, but also just being super busy, which is, I think, a very common thing for a lot of men. Uh, that isolation was creeping back in of, you know, not having many friends or friends at all that I would really connect with. And, uh, and so a hobby of mine that had really kind of stuck around from those Colorado Springs years was smoking a pipe. And so I thought, yeah, well, this is cool. Browsing through groups on, on Facebook. What a Christian pipe smokers group. That's odd. So jumped in and like, dude, there's this, there's this guy, you know, I think in his car smoking a pipe, making a video talking about Jesus and talking about, uh, mental health and something else. So I thought, you know what, I, this guy, I, I really should, uh, you know, introduce myself and just talk to him. So reached out. And, uh, I think that's how we met actually. Um, okay. but, uh, but yeah, it, it was just one of those things and it was it, friendship. It, I think there should be another episode just about men's friendship. Uh, yes. cause I think it's a, a lost art and it's something that's vital and it's brushed under the rug. Uh, cause I think there's a lot of, uh, unnecessary taboo, thoughts about friendship. Uh, but, uh, that's my story. Um, so yeah, 3d death, divorce, and depression. And yet there's also healing. Um, um, you don't get over that stuff. You, you work through it, you evolve and change, you grow through it and it, it makes you who you are. Um, and it, I think it strengthens you and it becomes a springboard for, for encouraging and blessing other people. So that's my story, man. That's amazing. Um, Man, I'm so thankful for you. I, one thing I didn't say, and I, I'm going to cry. I promise you I will cry when I say this. Um, one thing I didn't say uh, in my story is we alluded to nights that maybe you thought I wasn't going to make it or I yeah. thought I wasn't going to make it. There are nights that I think back and I think I definitely wouldn't have made it. And if it wasn't for you, man... I wouldn't be sitting here making a podcast with you. I wouldn't be holding my kids. I wouldn't have just played outside with my stepdaughters. Um, I wouldn't have switched my cable from my, from cable to YouTube TV today. Shameless plug. Uh, (laughs) uh, Man, uh, that turnaround that I talked about, that's a real thing for you. Um, there's a few, but one of them truly is named Brandon Miller. And, um, I am a better man. I'm a better friend. I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad today because of you. And so thank you 
for being my best friend. Thank you for sticking with me through the worst. Um, Cause I know the worst was pretty bad. Um, it, was, it was scary. It was really scary. Um, but thank you. Yeah. And uh, I mean, with the bottom of my heart and yes, you're right. It's, it's taboo. Guys don't say it um, nearly as often as we do, but I love you, man. Yeah, yeah. I love you too, bro. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Everybody needs that friend who they can be weirdly sexual with and then turn around and talk about, <laughs> talk, about talk about serious things. But <laughs> Dude, And you know, the whole, you know, the interpretive dancing that we do off camera, you know, that's, yeah. that's something else. Well, the collapsible pole that you got for your office. Dude, is it is the best thing ever. <laughs> You're a punk. But I think, you know, this entire episode is is us trying to tell you exactly what I said earlier. It's it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Um, but the biggest part about that is it doesn't stop there. Um, it's not okay to stay not okay. And yeah. so, um, whatever that means for you, um, become okay. And yeah. if that means seeking out therapy, seeking out a friend, um, seeking out me, you can seek out me any day. Me um, too. Me too. Brandon as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brand, Brandon's the pro, but I'll at least help. <laughs> John's better. Uh, but uh, no, please um, reach out to whoever you have to to save you. Um, and and I would I couldn't live with myself knowing that one of my friends or brothers or um, anything like that was struggling and I didn't know about it. So uh, our doors are open at Daddy Hood Rocks podcast for any mental health struggles. Um, it doesn't have to be just depression. Um, yeah, there's so much that goes into mental health. Yes. Um, just because we have stuff that we've experienced doesn't mean that we've experienced it all. And yeah, so please know that, um, we're, we're here for you regardless of, of what your mental health struggles are. Yeah, for sure. And also here in a moment, you'll see on your screen, uh, a list of numbers from, from various hotlines, uh, suicide prevention, uh, things like that, different mental health organizations, Please, like, you know, screenshot this, print that off, put it on your fridge, put it on your bathroom mirror, and don't be afraid to reach out for help. Um, yeah, I, you know, it, I'm really thankful for, you know, those conversations with my sister. Or I, I, I feel like I would have uh, gone down a very nasty, alcohol ridden tailspin to, to my very end. Um, it was that that deciding moment and, and I could have easily gone that down that slippery slope uh, had it not been for, for a conversation. And so reach out and, and reach out for help. Don't be afraid and, uh, and get the help you need. Absolutely. And I want to um, also put emphasis on the, numbers that you'll see we will have a graphic on our facebook instagram and twitter um i will ensure that that is there with those same numbers yeah. um and i will uh do my best to every once in a while throw that out there um because you might not be going through something now um it might be down the road uh, but those resources are always there to help 
And so we will um, make sure that we keep up on uh, updating resources as we find them um, and, and putting out that information for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Man, this, this, so we were not expecting this episode tonight. We, we had another guest lined up and we sure hope that that guest is able to join us another time. Because uh, every guest brings something powerful. Uh, and yet I think it was really important that we had this opportunity to share our stories. So I think, I think even if it's just one person that can be encouraged by this conversation, by your story, by my story, uh, by our you know, really, uh, you know, uncomfortable talk about, you know, poles and dancing and, you know, all that, you know, if that encourages you, then maybe you need some other sort of help. I don't know. But uh, man, we are so thankful for you as our listeners. Um, this has been just a, a really wild ride. It's been an exercise in flexibility for us in terms of, uh, you know, technical difficulties in, you know, just in working with guests. Uh, but it's been an awesome ride so far, and it's only getting better. And uh, and so uh, we're going to continue moving forward. Uh, last day of season one ends on Father's Day, which is kind of a cool thing. And then uh, starting back up in, in the fall at the uh, end of August, that gives us some time to kind of reload and to uh, to continue to improve for you guys, uh, whoever's listening. So, uh, yeah, in all of the, the social media platforms, Twitter, uh, Instagram, <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> I feel so old. Yeah, Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, uh, of course, YouTube at BK Miller, um, wherever you're at and any, uh, wherever you find your, your favorite podcasts, um, go there, whether it's anchor or, uh, iTunes, or if it's, uh, uh you know, uh, Google, uh, podcasts. Spotify. Spotify. I, I think we're actually on Pandora too, but uh, go where there's podcasts. You're going to find the Daddy Hood Rocks podcast there. And we're here to to give you a boost and not just to and help you to engage, level up and have fun, but to, to be able to live life and to help live it to the full uh, and to, to help motivate you and inspire you to keep on moving forward, no matter what, uh, what is uh, weighing you down, whatever is getting in the way of you being the dad you need to be. John, any last words? You know, I, I'm thankful for this time that we've gotten tonight. Um, and, and like you said, if it reaches even just one person, great, but, uh, this is going to be an episode that we look back on seasons from now and we go, this is why our podcast is what it is now. Um, because we're, we're really quick to, to have our fun with it. Um, but I think it's really important for us to just sit down and have these very serious conversations because if we don't have these, who will? Absolutely. And so, um, I'm so thankful for the opportunity that we got tonight. Yeah. John, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being my best friend. Thank you for being my podcast partner and thank you for, uh, just being along for this journey and not just the podcast journey, but for this journey called life. And uh, so, yeah, I'm so uh, deeply grateful for you and uh, for, for your beautiful family too. So with that said, we believe this from the bottom of our hearts as well, that beyond the shadow of a doubt, daddyhood rocks. <laughs>